Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrell from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special installment of 48 Minutes. I know the last show I did, we told you... Each and every week we'll be going to start the week, Monday or Tuesday, I'll have a show up. But this week, we had to record a little special one. My good pal here with me, head coach of North College Hill High School here in the Cincinnati area, former Northern Kentucky University basketball player, Northern Kentucky University Hall of Famer. Can't keep that out. Yeah, kind of Hall of Famer. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Mr. Shannon Meyer, a.k.a. Cul-de-sac King, a.k.a. Coach Miner. What's up, buddy? It's funny, Cul-de-sac King came up because my neighbor... I live on the cul-de-sac, and he's like one house down, so he's not really on the cul-de-sac. So I came out one day and just threw my hands up in the air and said, I'm the cul-de-sac king. And so that's where that kind of stuck on Twitter. So I don't know. That's kind of the little, the little backstory on that. Yeah, so Shannon was gracious enough to come to my place, brought me a six-pack of beer. So we're having some beers, talking some hoops. What's better than that, man? And had some wings. So, mm-hmm. I mean, sports, wings, beer. It's like being a BW3s, but instead we're at the uh, – your new uh, studio. Yeah, so. yeah. So this is breaking in the two mics together for the first time. It took a little audio difficulties, a.k.a. I'm the, I'm the rookie at this, to get to work, but we got it to work. Because I had no clue, and Google helped us. Yeah, Google and YouTube. Much props <laughs> to Google and YouTube. You can find anything there you need. So like always, guys, this is 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com, where you can check us out on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, now tune in, and of course, you want to ask your dear pal Alexa to play 48 Minutes of the NBA podcast, we will pop up. So yes, normally this show's an NBA show. You know, Sean Mackey and I, we kind of give you all our NBA hops, but Shannon is a guy that has a little bit of a broader horizon with me. We're going to talk a lot of different basketball, starting with his own hometown team, his coach coaching the North College Hill Trojans, uh, was nice enough to have a really good scout on uh, this year, two to be exact. Yeah, Clark. You yeah. helped us out on Clark and how many on the last one? Uh, uh, Cincinnati. No, it was Miami Valley Christian, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, we won uh, those games. We were mm-hmm. 3-0. and We played Clark twice. Um, and actually, you know what? Clark's going to be really good next year. Um, they have everybody coming back. They have an all-league player that's going to probably be the best player in the league. Um, so they're going to be good. We're counting on you big time this year. Yeah. Um, Kashmir Wright, Wright is their assistant coach um, at Clark. So... That's my guy. And I know that. I know you like him. And so, and they have a, a veteran coach there that's coached uh, many different places, drawing a blank on his name right now, Jeezel. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they got a really, really good team. Um, they like a lot of good pieces. They're very athletic. Uh, and so it's going to be tough. So I'm going to really lean on you big time this year. Ooh, ow. Um, to maybe uh, get a good scout on, uh, on Clark. But you did help us out this year. Well, I was glad to, man. It was a lot of fun. Um it was my first time scouting, so I was a little nervous about what all I had to include, so I think I took notes on every play possible. So, you guys had a hell of a year. Obviously, had a lot of seniors, mm-hmm. a lot of older classmen. You guys get to regional semifinals, mm-hmm. lose a really tough game to a bigger team, a guy that has a couple D1 talents. So, mm-hmm. when you look back, was this probably your favorite team you coached as far as like the talent-wise? Was this the one you had the most fun with? You know, it's, it's, it's unique because every team's different. Um, I'll say 
Uh, we started the season one and two, and then we end up. Winning, I remember. Yeah, twenty-one games in a row uh, until we lost our last game against Madeira, who again has guys going Division One, but it's in football. Uh, but you know, bigger teams a lot of times can can slow down speed, and uh, they controlled the game. We played from behind the whole game, and so we struggled um, to come back. We had a big fourth quarter, fell short. But again, when you win twenty-one games in a row, um, you don't have a player over six-two. Um, you know, you really got to coach each team differently because it's different in college. In college, you can recruit the players to to be your system or whatever you want to, you know, do. In high school, you kind of got to coach the players that you're kind of dealt. And so that's what we did this year. And our guys really bought into it. And it was it was a lot of fun. It was probably the most exciting team and coachable team that I coached at, at North College Hill after four years. Yeah, I think I did three of your games this year that I went to. I went to the your guys' tip-off against Holmes. Okay, yeah. And they were fast. Very they were fast. really fast. And yeah. I was really impressed how well you guys played against them. And then I went saw you guys play Clark. Obviously, I wanted to see how good of my scouting was. And mm-hmm. uh, I was really blown away by your team there. You guys had a lot of guys. Because your system you run, uh, that you coach for your team, your, your assistants run, your guys really bought in. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was what was really impressive is it wasn't, you know, you see a lot of high school teams that run four out and that's all they run and they never switch it up. And you guys ran pick and roll. You guys mm-hmm. ran everything you possibly can. You ran a little Princeton offense in there from time to time. So we, we run like a spread offense. I got from uh, Brad Underwood, who's now the head coach at Illinois. I got it when he was at. Um, That's your boy. Yeah, I love Brad Underwood. Go up there and see him every once in a while. Watch his practices. He sat down with me a few times. Um, I get on YouTube a lot and watch a lot of their stuff. But you got to remember too, in high school, <clears throat> you got to simplify everything. So you know, I'll watch NBA games and I'll see something I really like, and it's like, hold on, you got to make everything simple. So I was always taught if you can do every, if you can do two or three things really, really well, then you better off doing that than do 10 things kind of good so that's what we really worked on this year and there's some breakdown drills that we did with the spread offense but we all know that that playing defense is is how you're going to win and uh, I think getting some easy baskets in transition off your defense is the key to uh, you know that way you don't have to come down and set up your offense every time and I tell our players that we don't have to set up the offense every time let's try to get some transition buckets because that takes a lot of pressure off you know, your half-court offense. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys, obviously, like you said, won 21 in a row. Not something you see too often in any level of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely something to be proud of. Looking forward now, you do lose a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. You had some transfers like you were kind of talking about earlier before we were recording. Um, what What are you looking forward to for next season? You know, it's, it's interesting because in the summer you get 10 days in Ohio. And so in those 10 days what we try to do is I schedule the best team. So we go St. X, LaSalle. Sycamore, um, Coleraine, Harrison, we played Newcalf, we played Highlands. So we play all these teams that we feel are, are bigger than us, bigger schools, because it gives me an idea of what we're going to have to do. If that's more, you know, we're going to have a bigger team this year, less guards, and so we might have to be a team that plays a little bit more zone. But again, you have to think, if you're down 10 and you're playing zone, is that team going to hold the ball? So there's a lot of things that kind of go in. And at the, other t- at the same time, you don't want to overcoach either. You know, you want to let players make plays. And so this summer kind of gave me an idea of what we have to work on this year. And I think it's going to be a little bit more zone off defense um, just to try to um, – because I think we're going to have, have trouble guarding on the perimeter because we have some taller guys. But then on the offense end, I think we have to throw the ball inside a little bit more, something we haven't done the last couple of years. So we're going to have to work on post-passing, um, which we haven't done because we spread the floor out. So there's a lot of different things we're going to work on. It gives me an idea. And then in the next two or three months, I'll start doing that. And, uh, and our players will start working on that in the, in the open gyms. You mentioned holding the ball. I'm going to ever keep my argument. We need a shot clock in high school basketball. Mm-hmm. 
Well, here's the problem with the shot clock in high school. One, you have to get someone to run it. I mean, it's hard enough to get someone just to do the clock. True. And so you have the, you know, you don't have to have someone on a microphone being a PA announcer, but it helps in high school. You have someone maybe doing the music, you know. And so I think that's the biggest problem. Then there's all these different rules. When it hits the rim and they get offensive rebound, do you reset it to 14 seconds, 30 seconds, 35? And so when you have those problems and you have more more um, rules, um, I think it creates a, a challenge. And so um, I don't know if we're going to see it or not. I know some high schools have done it. Uh, states have done it. Uh, I think it would help. I mean, again, though, then then the other part of that is more basketball IQ with players. Yeah. You know, and they said that I was watching NBA game there and they were saying in Europe and other, other countries, they implement, and that's why they're ahead of the United States, they were saying, because they have the shot clock in Europe and high schools. And so we don't in the United States, or at least we don't in a lot of the states. And so I just think it would be hard to, to, to do that. Um, our guys at, at the high school level, they don't really understand. I, I, I really blame AU on this, but they don't understand the end of the end of the game or end of the quarter when there's 15 seconds left, 20 seconds left. They want to shoot it right away because that's what they were taught or that's how they play maybe in the summer. At our high school team, we really wait to the very end because we want to take the last shot. So I don't know if the shot clock will, will come into play. I, you know, if it does, that'll be another thing that that uh, schools will have to uh, you know get a person to uh, to uh, run it. So being a high school coach, and like you said, um, there's a lot of basketball kids can watch. There's a lot of basketball kids can really appreciate, whether it be you know like a a LeBron James, or they see you know a Grayson Allen who just had a great career, Duke. Mm-hmm. And you know a lot of people when they watch these guys and they they idolize those guys and they see what they do, they want to be able to do the things they do. Not that any kid's gonna be LeBron James. I mean, there could be mm-hmm. LeBron James Jr. But right. uh, is it hard as a coach to kind of see a guy that does the Euro step and once they put that newest game to go, you can't do that. It's not going to work here. You know, it's crazy because our players now, they they don't do. You know, I think the step back, and my friend and I always talk about this. It's almost like a travel, mm-hmm. and they they never call it. And, and Especially I, for James Harden. Yeah, and I, you know what? That's the first guy that always goes back to is like, is it James Harden that started that? You know, the like stepping through and like, but the players do that now in high school and referees don't. They don't call it a travel. You know, if if you're going up for a layup and you step through. We allow our guys to do that. Um, we don't do any drills for it. I just think the kids do it on their own now when they do drills or they do their own workouts. Our players do their own workouts in the morning before school. Um, they work on those moves, and if they can do that and add that to their, you know, their their, you know, repertoire of moves, then that's fine. I, I let them do that. But to me, I think a step back's to travel. I mean, it looks I agree. like it. you pick the ball up, you take a step back with your right foot, and then you bring your left foot with it. To me, that's a travel, and. Uh, that's just what I feel about that. But I let those guys do those moves because I want them to be creative. Sure. And, you know, you don't want to be a coach that's like micromanaging your team. You want those guys to grow as individuals, as basketball players, because it helps your team. So I don't usually say much to those guys. Now, if they get a call to travel, you know, it might be an older referee. They might not be, uh, you know, hip to the to the young younger players. So, yeah, I think adding that to your game it would only be beneficial. Yeah, I think, too, um, one of the things you kind of look at, too, you mentioned, I'm sure you know this better than me, is – evolution of high school athletes now i mean yeah. from when you started coaching what was that five six seven years ago actually probably 2001 2002 so it's been 15 years take yeah. your best player from 2001 yeah. take your best player from 2018 what's the i mean how much of a how much of a difference is there 
Well, I think that the game's more one-on-one now. Yeah, there's a lot of isolation. There's a lot of isolation. But, you know, I was watching those NBA games, not to get off the high school, but everything now in these NBA Summer League games, if you watch it, it's all horn stuff. And what horns is, is just the two elbows, and then they put the two shooters in the corner. And so they do all this isolation with a three-man, two-man game now. And, and that's what a lot of – and I always go back to this, and we talked about it earlier, is the AAU. I think the AAU does that kind of stuff. It, it, it creates one-on-one – and I think it's kind of bad for the game. It's good for college coaches. They love it. They love April and, and July because they're able to uh, to evaluate players. But I think a lot of it's going back to one on one, and and uh, you know I just you know I don't know if it's good for the game or not. Two on two is okay. Three on three. But like I said, they're they're putting players in the corner and they're just waiting. That's where your JJ Redick is. Those kind of guys. And if you watch those guys, man, he's running off five. Six screens every possession. He's one of my five most fun players to watch. I mean, he's fun. I mean, I know, I know one team he would look really fun being with. It'd be Golden State. You need to watch. You take that back right now. (laughs) I'm just saying with the shooter that he is. Yeah. You know, I mean, with a guy like him, it would open it up. But I, you know, I don't want to get off our our topic or whatever. No, it's it's talk. It's basketball. But I'm just saying, like a guy like him, you know, they sit him in a corner and they do all this this isolation now in the NBA, and that's why a guy like him is is vital to a team like Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree, especially, I mean, having that guy has been around the block a lot to kind of get those younger guys going and getting familiar with the, with the way of the game. He did a podcast with Bill Simmons where he kind of talked about being in, with L.A. and being with the Clippers, you know, having Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Luke and Bob Mute, you know, Wesley, Wesley Matthews, all these guys. I don't know if Wesley Matthews is a good example, but um, all these guys that have been around the block for a while. So it was a lot more of a veteran locker room. It was a lot different as far as, you know, what to talk about. What did you guys talk about on the bus? He's like, coming to Philly, where I have all these 19 through 22-year-old kids, how different it is being the leader of that team and kind of really helping people out was such a shocker for me. Uh, but I'm glad he signed back with Philly. I'm glad he's going to stay there for another year. Yeah. And I mean, I think he'll be a good – like I said, he'll be, he's good with any team. And and I know you'll probably uh, not like this comment, but, you know, a team like the Lakers would have been good because I know that LeBron needs shooters. Yeah, he does. And they don't have any shooters right now. And, and they have a guy uh, – who was with him in Cleveland? Uh, Kyle Corver. You know, a guy like that. Yeah. That can shoot the ball, really opens it up. Because if, if you watch Cleveland play over the last few years, they uh, four guys are standing. Actually, eight guys are standing. Because only the guy guarding LeBron and LeBron are the only two guys that are moving. Yeah. And so it is a lot of ISO, and that's what really kills the game. And you see the teams that have continuity and they're moving, like the Celtics, they're always moving. And they're a balanced team. And I think that's better for the game. I think a lot of that has to do with Ty Lue. I still don't think he really knows how to coach at the NBA level. You know, he, I think he struggles, but, I, you know, coaching a guy like LeBron has to be a challenge. Oh, I mean, I, no doubt about yeah, it. You know, they were arguing on about, like, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Those guys were the same way as LeBron. And, and anytime you're going to have a, a star. You know, again, you got to remember, too, there wasn't social media back when Larry Bird played and, right. and Dr. J. So we don't know all the stories. You just hear things. Now everything is instant. So... If there's an argument or a fight in the locker room or something said, you put on Twitter in L.A. and we get it here in, in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, instantly. So, you know, it's a lot more difficult now, and, and it's a challenge. So I'll have you know, I'm actually not mad LeBron went to L.A. I know what I'm wearing right now. Yeah. I'm actually excited for him. I think it's going to be great. Um, I think a lot of that for him was really trying to show how much of a competitor he was. I think a lot of people kind of always put on his legacy. Well, yeah, he's great, and yeah, he did all these things, but he did it in the East when the East was bad. I think that kind of was one of the reasons he went over there. I think that he wanted to say, like, I might not win again, but I'm going to give this a shot and see if I can against this conference with all these good teams. I 
I think he went there for, for other reasons than basketball. Yeah, because, I agree with that. I mean, it has to be because if you look at the West, you have Houston, you have Golden State. Correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not a huge NBA guy, but Portland's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I know Dallas now has DeAndre Jordan, so that's going to help them out a little bit. And, they still have and my boy Luca. Yeah, I mean, so they're going to still be pretty good. So what I'm saying is if you can win the West, then, then, then you'll probably win the NBA. I mean, I know you have Boston, you have Philly still, but – I think he's looking past. I mean, he has three NBA titles right now. I think he's looking for, I don't know if it's movies. I don't know if it's whatever it is. I know his son's going to go there and play with other former NBA players and their their, their kids and stuff. So I just think he had other ideas. I think he had to go there. I think Magic Johnson had a huge, um, you know, I think he had a big influence on him going there as well. Um, I knew he wasn't going to go back to Cleveland. I thought Philly maybe had a shot. Yeah, apparently there was a report that came out today that Philly really believed he was serious about Philadelphia. And I know he had a meeting with him the day he signed with L.A., but he wasn't at the meeting. So, Again, like I said, you know, there's more shooters. You know, and, I, and they were talking today if Ben Simmons could shoot a little bit more, maybe would he have decided, you know, J.J. Redick signed for one year, you know, 12, 13 million, whatever it was. But LeBron's a great player. I mean, you can't take that away from him. He's physically bigger than a lot of other players, kind of like Shaq was on the post. I don't think he was very skilled, but he was bigger than everyone else. And I think that's the thing, you know, and we always talk about Michael Jordan and LeBron and Kobe. you got to remember, like, Michael Jordan wasn't a very good shooter when he was younger. He improved each year as he got older. I guess LeBron has improved, but he's not the shooter that Michael Jordan was. At least I don't think he was. I could argue that. You could probably argue it, but when I watch it, you're going to give me stats, but I like when I watch the games – I just see too many bad shots from LeBron. I just see too many bad misses. I know you're a LeBron fan. Sure. I'm more of a Jordan guy. Um, but I, like I said, though, I think the, the difference is the physicality and the build yeah. of today's player compared to maybe the guys in the 90s. I agree. But, you know, I mean, like to your same point, I'm not disagreeing that Michael Jordan's great by any means. Obviously, if you look at my closet, it's filled with Michael Jordan stuff. Um, you know, he's one of my three or four favorite players of all time. You know, definitely sets the bar for the greatest player ever. Mm-hmm. Even though I do think that I want, I like the more complete player. I like the guy that can stick, score, rebound, and pass. I like the guy that can protect the rim. And Mike wasn't those guys. Not a bad thing. I mean, he was six six, and he wasn't playing with a lot of guys where he had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think LeBron was a better three point shooter. Honestly, I think that Michael was a great mid range, tw- like twenty foot jumper kind of guy. The Craig Elo shot that everyone like idolized and talks is great. Now, that's not a great shot. It's not a great moment, but it was a 15-foot jumper. I guess they know Gil LeBron's just the finals, you know, and I, and I know everyone goes to that. But, you know, with guys, and, and I don't know what the it factor is. You know, when you look at someone, you watch them, you're like, man, that kid's good. Mm-hmm. You know, when I watch high school kids, I'm like, man, that kid's, he's got something. Like, there's something about him. Yeah. I think the Michael Jordan had more of the it, whatever it is. Than anybody else, I agree. I think and, Michael Jordan changed the world. What it is, it's a it's a variety of intangibles. It's it's also skills. Yeah, Michael um, Jordan changed the world. Yeah, he did. And you know, he was coming up when it, just imagine if he was around when social media and that was. But he was coming when when with like the Gatorade and the Nike shoes and like it was just that whole you know Larry Bird and Dr. J and Magic kind of set the tone. And then I think they passed the torch to to Michael Jordan. Now obviously he passed it to Kobe and Kobe on the. To LeBron, my favorite all time all time was Larry Bird. Obviously, I mean, I was always a big Larry Bird guy because you talk about somebody who could do everything. Maybe not protect the rim, but he could do everything. Oh yeah, I he agree. Could pass, he could shoot. He had it too. Like he was very determined. 
Um, his skill, his swagger was incredible. It was great. His athleticism not as good, but you know, early on, his athleticism was actually pretty good. If you watch all of his highlight films, yeah, on like YouTube and all that. His Indiana State days, yeah, he could dunk. He could reverse double. I mean, he could do those things. Now he wouldn't be the favorite to win the dunk competition. Obviously, he was a three point guy, but he was a guy that made everyone else around him better. And that's what LeBron is going to have to do when he goes to LA. He's going to have to trust his teammates because he's getting older. He's getting yeah. older. So he's going to have to. And I know you're like, well, he's not, but he is. No, he I know. 82 games. Like, I mean, he played the whole season. Played a hundred and something games counting the postseason. He played a ton. And now, and now when LeBron plays, he doesn't kind of play. He yeah, he goes all out. All out. He plays all out all the time. So he's going to have to really trust those guys. So they're going to have to surround him with better players. I don't know if Lance Stevenson's going to be able to get it done. I don't know if uh, you know some of those guys that they signed last week going to get it done. But we're going to see. And I think what they're really banking on is next year this time. Getting one of those key guys, yeah, and so that's a lot of names for that next year. The, the, the Jimmy Butlers, mm-hmm. the Clay Thompsons. Um, I don't think there would be a better move for LeBron James than if he got Clay Thompson. I think that would be the greatest like F year to the Warriors. I think it'll help. You know what? I think this year what management will do, obviously with Magic Johnson, he'll see what what pieces they obviously. Yeah, need. and that's what this year's and, about. Yeah, and if it's a Jimmy Butler guy or Clay Thompson, the money situation. You know, even a guy like I know you don't want JJ Redick is a guy. I would love JJ Redick in LA. JJ Redick would would obviously come back because he's only one year at Philly, so he would be a guy that would come back to LA, familiar with the area, the 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 surroundings there because the Clippers play there as well. Yep. I think he'd be a great great find. Um, even a guy like Kyle Korver, I don't know if he'll be able to last two more years, but you just need the guy that's going to um, stretch the defense to allow LeBron to penetrate. I would love to get for LA to get Kevin Love. Honestly, I know that it was really weird that those two weren't very comfortable together, but they were successful even without comfort. Mm-hmm. So I could, I'd have to think that their fifth year playing together, that something would come together. So you know, I think they made a lot out about Kevin Love and this and that. He's such I, a good player. But I think him and LeBron actually got along together. Yeah, they, they really definitely do. did. And you know what? You might not think so because they're not maybe hugging each other on the court or whatever. But I think it's it, it, it's just different. Like, I can tell from playing and watching. Like, you can just tell. Like, you knew that Ty, Ty Lue and him didn't kind of get along, you know. But I think LeBron and, and Kyle really, Corver really got along with you. I'm sorry, um, Kevin Love. Well, Kyle Corver too, but. Yeah, but I think they all got along with each other. really did. Yeah, I did too. Now, I don't think LeBron was too happy with, with at the end of game one of the NBA Finals. Now, you know, that's a whole other story. But, um I think he got along with his teammates, and I think LeBron's a good teammate. Yeah, he definitely is. I think he gets a bad rap because he's so competitive, and he wants to win, and the big knock on him is he can't win in the finals. But when you're going against a team like Golden State that's now going to have five guys that are all-stars, it's hard to to beat teams like that. Would you say the 2016 finals is the greatest NBA finals of all time? It was, because wasn't that the one that came back down 3-1? Yep. It wasn't, and it made it so much better. I'm not a Cleveland sports fan, obviously, because you got the Browns and the Indians and all them. We don't have to worry about basketball. But to win it down 3-1 in Oakland. Against that team? Against that team. Now, that team wasn't as good as they are now because they're right. clicking now. And they didn't have Kevin Durant. They didn't have him yet. So That caused them to get Kevin Durant. It did. It did. And, and you know, it's going to be interesting because I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's going to be a good team. Now... Are they saying that Houston's going to try to get... Carmelo. Yeah, Carmelo. That's a terrible idea. Carmelo, to me, is just, you know, he's not a big defensive guy either. He's oh, no, guy. he's not at all. He's a me guy. You can't hide him on defense either. No, you can't. He's an offensive guy. Um, and I know we're jumping into to them now or to him. But I it's, don't know if that's a good pickup or not. I don't, I don't think so. I is out there. I think at some point him and James Harden are going to have a fist fight 
over who gets the ball um, because they're both ISO kings. And so I think that that's going to happen at some point. And it's funny because, you know, Chris Paul had to have the ball in his hands all the time. Yeah, I think Chris Paul won James Harden as MVP this year. Yeah, he I did. Yeah. Because he's not being selfish and saying, hey, look, I'll come play with you. I don't need the ball 100% of the time. I'll let you do a 50, you know, and I'll do a 50 or whatever. Um, but that's what a good team is. That goes to any team. It goes in the workplace, wherever you go. You have to have people that are going to be unselfish. And Chris Paul was unselfish, signed a huge contract, getting good money. Yeah. And so I think he's okay with that. But I think those guys are now starting to realize in order to win, you're going to have to start building some of these super teams and get three or four good players, all-stars on your team. I mean, they were right there. Right there, they were winning. I mean, if they, he doesn't get hurt in game five, I think they win the series. They could have won the series. They really could. Now, you know, it's all about, you know this, it's all about matchups and how things work. Exactly. Injuries also play a part of it. And what Golden State's getting better and better, getting deeper and deeper when they add Boogie and get him in there. I mean, he's going to be tough. And, and I think he'll be okay with it. I mean, he, he signed for, what, five or six million? 5.3, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, he took a huge cut. More money than we'll see. Oh, man. I mean, he took a huge cut, considering. But he'll use this year to try to get something in the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Somewhere else, it won't be at Golden State. Yeah. So let's go to another level of college basketball. You know damn well where I'm going here. Um, you know, my favorite coach ever at my favorite college basketball program of all time, Savage, so one of your really good friends, decided it was time to go elsewhere. Not mad at him. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. Totally respect it. Still a little hurt by it. Um, I, it's crazy. It's so like, I can't believe Chris has officially left Xavier because I never felt like he would. But every reason he did makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it's kind of because I hung out with him like a week or two after and we went out and just got something to eat and we were hanging. It was weird because when I got to his house, he had Adidas stuff on. I'm like, gross. Wearing Adidas. And he said, well, you know, I'm at Louisville now. And I'm like, it's kind of like, I don't know if I can make the right analogy, but when you're in high school or college and you're going out with someone and you break up with them and now you're going out with another girl, yeah, it's you're no longer with that girl anymore. You're with a new girl. And that's kind of like that transition for Chris was he went from Xavier and he had a lot of success at Xavier. It was time, like we had talked about earlier before we recorded this, that I think getting the number one seed, um, obviously icing on the cake would have been the final four national championship. But I think if Chris was going to leave, I think now was the perfect time. With, I agree. With Louisville um, having the, the situation in that, in that opening um, for Chris, I think it was a no-brainer. Chris always felt like Louisville was a, a top program, like a, like a um, North Carolina, like a Duke, like a Michigan State, like a UCLA. It's in the top five or ten greatest basketball yeah. schools of all time. Nothing to take away from Xavier because Xavier's a great place. Oh, and they're going to sure. win a lot more games. And we're going to talk about Travis here in a few minutes, but – um, Chris is, is he's he's so smart. He's a smart guy. He's the most competitive person I know. He's a guy that gets mad if he loses a coin flip. Nothing. He has no control over the coin flip. If he says heads and it's tails, he's he's mad. I watch Bengals games with Chris. Chris loves the Bengals. He would get so mad. I would always say, Chris, you need to coach the Bengals because <laughs> as intense as Chris is, but. You know, Chris is, is smart, like I said, and he's going to have a lot of success. I don't know how you're going to be able to measure success this year if you do by wins, if it's 20 games, if it's 18 games, if it's beating UK. I mean, That's how it matters. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you're going to measure it. And 
I guarantee you this, in the next, I would say, three to five years, Louisville basketball will be really good because everywhere Chris has been, there's always been improvement and there's always been success. Yeah, I mean, he got the one I wanted him to get. I know they didn't play from the Final Four, but he beat Sean Miller, and that's all I care about. So that's all I ever wanted. You know, really, it's funny because, like, him and Sean Miller are really good friends. I know. And, of course, like, Sean was, you know, the head coach when Chris was the assistant and gave him an opportunity. And then when he left to go to Arizona, that opened the door. And I know that gets into what we're going to talk about here in a few minutes with Travis. That's kind of what Xavier's done over yeah. the years. And there's really nothing wrong with that. If you can keep, you know, filling that, that position every three to five to seven years with a coach that's been there, I really think that speaks volumes about your program, you know, and about the university. You know, for, for Xavier to be able to do that, to me, that that's how you define some success is keeping those guys in the program because they're not going to miss much. No. Because a lot of what Travis believes in is what Chris believed in. They believe in the same things. Travis learned a lot from Chris, and he'll implement that, but he'll also throw a little bit of his philosophies in there as well. But I think it's going to be um, – a, a, a smooth transition for Xavier fans with, with Travis being there. I completely agree. I think that you kind of saw that when Chris mm. took the job and one, no player said a bad thing. They said, thanks for everything you did for us. And that was great. And then as soon as the announcement was made and everyone said their farewell and every, you appreciate everything, which I'm sure all those players still reach out to him. Um, immediately it was, okay, we want Travis Steele to be the next coach. It wasn't, bring this guy in an interview because there was rumors John Brandon was going to interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, no, we want Travis Steele. And I think that spoke a lot to Travis and what the players think of him and what he what he means to Xavier University and that basketball program. So I'm excited to see it. They've got a lot. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, they're losing Trayvon Blue. Yeah, they're losing J.P. McKeer. Yeah, they're losing Sean O'Hara. But Tyreek Evans is still there. I mean, Tyreek Jones. <clears throat> oof, that's the other player. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Quentin Gooden's still there. Paul Scruggs is still there. Um you know, I can't believe Kaiser Gates isn't there. But overall, I mean, they still have some talent. It's still a tough conference. I'm just ready for them to beat Villanova. I don't care if Chris is coaching. I don't care if Travis is coaching. I don't care if you and I are coaching. I just want them to beat Villanova at some point. You know, the thing I will say about when you go from the assistant coach to the head coach, <clears throat> when you move that one chair over, the responsibilities on your shoulder are going to be a lot heavier. It'll be interesting to see. And I know Travis will be able to do it. It's just a matter of will it be game three game 13 season three where he really can really get a good understanding of what he you know what he wants to do I think he knows but being able to connect with the players and get them to do it when you're comparing him to like okay Villa Villanova and Jay Wright can you see like Jay Wright might have a little bit of an advantage oh yeah for sure but there's nothing wrong with that because Travis is gonna get better Mm -hmm. over time you know it's funny you were just saying about like you know guys reach out to Chris I was just with him a couple weeks ago We, we went to his lake house, and we were down there hanging out, and this was right, I think right after the NBA draft. And JP had called him and asked him for some advice on what he should do, and Chris gave him some advice. And you know, obviously he's, he's with a two-way contract, is called for yep. for sure. That way you can play in the, is it the D He's in the G League and the NBA, okay, so he can go back and League. forth. Yeah, you can go back and forth. You have a maximum amount of NBA days. Right, correct. And it's kind of, I think it started with the NHL, and now the NBA does or whatever. But he reached out to Chris, and so that, that, speak volu- that speaks volumes for Chris's relationship with his players and JP felt comfortable enough to call Chris to say, Hey, look, what do you think I should do? Chris gave him some advice. Cause I think JP can also go overseas and play mm-hmm. and make a limit over there. But I think these guys 
when they come out, I think the first their, their dream is to play in the NBA. Sure. And I think what they'll do is try to build their resume up in the NBA, playing a summer league for for three five days or whatever, and then uh, try to try to play in the in the G League. If that doesn't work out, then they'll go overseas. Yeah, and I think that's really big for them. Um, I'm excited for you know, like I said, everything they can bring. So, did Chris tell you about when he ran into John Calipari at the airport? No. Apparently, Calipari was talking about they crossed paths in the airport. And he was it was, it was he was going to Union. He was when he was doing that like uh, his cyber camp, oh, okay, Calipari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was talking about. And he said that he can't, he's excited that Chris is going to do big things there. And that kind of tells you a lot when that guy is talking about how excited he is that his rival school got a great coach. You know, I think he has to say it. I mean, he's not going to say I'm, I'm disappointed. Well, yeah, he's the mayor of Kentucky. Yeah, he is. And I know that'll be one thing that'll be a feather in Chris's cap in the Louisville program if they could somehow pull that off um, I know it's going to be it, it's going to be a challenge this year for them you know because UK is going to have they'll probably be the preseason number one yeah I mean either them or do I mean it's always yeah. either them or do because they're going to have the one and duns they're going to come um, but we need know, to go to that game in Indy by the way uh, we, can, we can try to make that work it's gonna, we might be up higher that's fine. I don't, know if I don't go, think I can get a credential to that one. I don't know if we're going to go through 48 minutes or go through Chris Mack on that one. But <laughs> we could work both angles and see what we can get out of that. Because, you know, I'm going to try to go down some games. I went down. Actually, when we were going down to his, to his lake house down there, on the way down, we stopped at um, at the Yum Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, the smaller Yum is their practice facility. It's beautiful. It's great. It's yeah. nice. I mean, the Yum is, is unbelievable. What was it, 22,000? Yeah. I uh, When I worked the NIT there... Uh, when they played NKU, I walked in. I remember it was the biggest arena I ever worked in. That includes Notre Dame Stadium. And I just remember, like, they put you, when you're media there, they put you underneath the basket. Okay. So yeah. and it's not like NKU where you're, like, away from the basket. And I remember just looking up at one point and just being amazed for an NIT game when they had a disappointing year, when they were going through everything, they had an interim coach, that place was still full. And that's a very easy way to get kids to go to Louisville. You know, I think Chris will bring some excitement, some of the things. You go, because... You know, I don't want to say, like, he's a player's coach because that's what everyone always say, but Chris really is. But really what Chris can do better than, than a lot of coaches, he's really good on social media. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's able to connect with people. I think it's because he has kids, too, and I think that keeps him young. But Chris, away from basketball, is, is so laid back. He's a lot of fun. Um, you know, when we go hang out for our little trip that we go to with all the guys that, that we grew up with, you know, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we don't talk a lot about basketball because we want it to be something other than basketball because that's what he does all the time. And so, you know, it's just a lot of fun to hang out and, and to do other things with, you know, someone. And, and I always pick his brain, too. I, I'll ask him questions. You mentioned earlier about playing a one-three-one. You know, I'll ask him, like, what guys do you put in the middle? You, know, you put your slower guy in the middle and you want a fast guy in the very back. He had JP at the at the front because he's got, you know, wingspan and he's athletic and, you know, he gets some steals. So, like, I'll pick his brain about things like sure. that. And that's good having – a friend that's a basketball coach in the ACC to, to get some, uh, you know, some advice from. When's he going to put you on the staff? You know, it's funny because people ask me that all the time, and and what people don't understand is there's there's, you can't just say, hey, come on, you know, oh, you're because, the high school coach, come here. Yeah, you know, what what am I going to do? You know, am I going to be the top assistant? Like, what am I going to bring to the program that isn't already at the program? You know, you know. Uh, and I don't want to do anything like uh, film. You know, I like film. I like to watch film. I like to break down film with my high school guys. But I wouldn't want to sit in a film room for eight hours and break down film. That's how Eric Spolstra started. I know. It is. But I'm 43 years old, so I can't, you know, it's harder for me 
to do that and with a wife and kids and, and relocating it would be difficult now when the kids grow up and they get older then that's something I would I would love you know you know entertain or think about doing but right now you know doing the high school thing is a lot of fun yeah are you kind of shocked at how much there was coaching changes in college basketball this year I know it's kind of an open door thing I mean but not just Chris going there and Travis Steele stepping up but you've got Penny Hardaway going to Memphis mm-hmm. you've got um the other gosh you got the other Hurley brother going to UConn and Bobby Hurley obviously there's in the state and it's it was a really crazy like stretch there when Chris left uh, Xavier. Just how many coaching positions filled up and the names that took them. Yeah, it's weird because you know when the Final Four comes, that's where all the interviews happen. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody goes to the Final Four to try to get those those interviews and talk to the athletic directors, and it's just it's, it's always going to be that way. It's a carousel of you know coaches are just going to go other places. Some of those guys like a Jay Wright, he's going to stay at Villanova. He's not going to leave. I thought he'd go to the Sixers at some point. Yeah, and they keep saying Coach K is going to eventually go to L.A. because he got along with with uh, LeBron. That'd be cool. I'd be up for that. I mean, but they keep saying there's no way he's going to leave Duke because the college atmosphere is so much different. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, when, and I know it's just one game or two games when UK, or sorry, uh, UNC and, and Duke play each other, but just think about all the ACC games when Louisville goes to Duke and Duke comes to Louisville. I mean, this Notre is, Dame and Mike yeah. Bray. and I mean, it's just a huge, I mean, the, the, the college game, it's just so much different than the pros. Um, there's less games, obviously. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of coaching changes this year. And, uh, you know, I think every year it's just going to be like that, except for those guys that are going to stay somewhere for a long time. Yeah, for sure. So we kind of touched a little bit on Travis Steele. Um, we talked about it. You know, he's a guy that's been in the program for a while. He knows what Xavier basketball is all about. And he has an understanding of what he can do. His players like him. So you kind of talk about how big that change is going from this chair to this chair. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's going to be beneficial to him too. Like you said, all the same reasons. He has the same philosophies as Chris. He'll put his own philosophies in. But building that player trust, that recruiting part of it is so big because when guys leave, it's not, okay, we have this new system coming in. It's just this guy stepping up Mm -hmm. and taking it. And Xavier's got really good facilities. I mean, I I looked at that a lot when I worked media for them this year. And Cintas is such a fun arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always loud, always. So I'm excited for that era. Um, but where do you think the main difference will be between him and Chris, would you say? Well, that's a tough one because I do know this. From going down to watching some practices, Chris gives those guys the opportunity, his assistance, when they separate into two teams. Each coach gets a clipboard. Um, so I think Travis is... Obviously not had game time as a head coach, but he's been on the floor in practice coaching either the blue team or the white team until he's been in those situations. I just think experience is probably going to be the biggest difference. I mean, Travis hasn't been a head college coach, and Chris has. And he's been doing it for, what, seven years at Xavier? Seven, eight years? And so I would think that would be the biggest difference. Um, You know, Chris had a great rapport with the players. Travis as well. Travis is really good with, with AU coaches, um, particularly the Indiana coaches in that area. I mean, if you're going to be a college coach, you better be really tight with AU coaches because AU is where it is now. Not the high school coaches, the AU coaches, the summer, you know, the April and then the July. But I think that would be the biggest difference um, since you asked. I think the um, experience as being a head coach, I think Chris had that. And like I said before, is it going to take Travis three games, 13 games, or three years 
to settle into that into that niche where he feels comfortable. Yeah, I think for, I, I definitely agree with that. So actually, funny you say that Taylor who normally works with us on these. He was at EYBL this year working for us. Mm-hmm. He saw Chris and Sean hanging out and walking around. Oh, yeah. And I was like, damn it, dude. Why'd you tell me that? So we had a good fun with that. Um, so talking about that, you know, you talk about a lot about AAU and how much it affects high mm-hmm. school kids. And, you know, it's good and bad. It gives them a lot of attention, but it also gives them a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, you know, where would you like to see AAU improve? Because your son plays AAU now, right? Yeah, you know, it's it, and I don't want to put it over a big, you know, umbrella like all AAU coaches are bad. It's not that. Um, AAU parents, though. I would say parents in general sometimes can 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 change the outlook in a kid's mind, like mm-hmm. you know, towards their teammates, the school, the coaches, the program. What what parents need to do, and I really believe in this because I try to do it the best I can. And I think about this all the time with my kids because you mentioned him playing AAU. I coach that team. But when he plays on a school ball team, I say nothing. I say absolutely nothing because there is a coach. And if you were the coach of my son's team, I'm not going to coach the coach. Right. Because that's why you're the coach. Um, I tell my parents all the time in my high school, if you tell your son to be home at midnight and we win a big game and I say, oh, stay out till 2 in the morning, they wouldn't like that because they're in charge of their house. And so as a coach – you want to be in charge of the basketball program and the decisions that you make. Now, all of our decisions aren't the right ones. I get it. Um, but with AU, what it does is it creates a lot of one-on-one, and the basketball IQ isn't there because they want to get that next shot up. There's coaches watching them in April and July. Okay, And so when there's 16 seconds left, we work on this at, at North College Hill where we take the last shot. Because if you don't, you shoot it with, say, 14 or 13, they get the ball. Anything can happen. They can happen. We can also get a foul to one of our key players. And that's the other thing we try to eliminate. And a very, very soon where you have an offensive foul at the end of the quarter. So what we try to do is we try to take the last shot. So the basketball IQ is lost. Now, again, there's some good AU coaches that teach that. But in general, when I go to a lot of these AU tournaments and I watch a lot of the summer ball, they don't teach that. You know, guys, coaches just want their team to be good. Okay, so what I would like to see done with, with, with like they do in soccer is coaches should have AU cards because when they get kicked out of the game or they get a technical foul, there should be some kind of penalty for them. Kids should be on one team, not four different teams. Yeah, I agree. Where they're, where they're on all these different teams. Now, I know college coaches don't really care that much because when a college coach goes to an AU event, they see 10 players in one game playing at one time so they can evaluate those guys. And so they, they really don't move. What I heard what they're going to do is they're going to either move, I don't know if it's July or April, they're going to move it to June so that the high school coaches can do stuff in June so that college coaches can come watch them. That, that makes sense. So that makes a little bit more sense. And I get a lot of the, the NAIA schools, Division three schools, and Division two schools to come to North College Hill to watch some of our open gyms to give our guys an opportunity to uh, showcase what they can do. Yeah, Thomas Moore's going in AIA. They are. Yeah, it's and pretty cool. It's going to be really good because now it offers not only academic scholarships, but there can be some athletic scholarships for guys in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati, which will really help out. Um, oh, we'll have to see a, a, a ton. It will. And they'll, they'll get better players there, but they'll have more interest um, at Thomas Moore. And eventually they'll probably be like, they'll move probably to Division Two. I don't know if they'll get to Division One, but I think they'll move in that direction eventually. Yeah. So talking about your alma mater, which, by the way, hmm. 
I sit next to Mr. Don Owen on Media Row for every NKU home game, and he loves you. Don Owen's a great guy. Yeah, he's awesome. No one loves NKU the way Don Owen loves NKU. Don's been there for a long time, at least, I would say, 30 years. Yeah. Newport grad, I think, yeah. And Former SID. There. and Yep, he was SID. Well, whenever I needed anything, I was kind of guy, and you know this, I was a gym rat and hung around the gym, and I would shoot. And in between my workouts of shooting, I would always go down the hallway. Well, Don would always be there like at 8 at night because he was getting ready for the next event the next day. If it was a softball game or whatever it was. And we would always talk. He would give me pictures uh, of our games or whatever. So Don is definitely a guy that's been at NKU for, like I said, 30-something years and knows a lot about NKU, especially NKU basketball. So if you're sitting next to him, he had to tell you a lot of stuff that happened back probably before you were born. You told me a lot about, you know, your guys' title, like when you guys played for the national championship. So he told me his stories all about that. And I told him I was really good friends with you, and he thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I have learned a ton from him. Um, uh-huh. What's funny is, like, so I'll, I'll tell you this, and you'll kind of get, get, get a kick out of this. So, like, I'm the small guy there. You know, there's, you know, Cincinnati Inquirer, all the Northern Kentucky students running their media stuff. The Northerner there? Northerner's there. Yeah, there you go. And then Don working for the Northern Kentucky Tribune, and there's a little 48 minutes here. So when I do the press conferences with John, and like I'm the only one he doesn't know. Like, yeah, I've been in like every press conference the whole year. I'm the only guy he doesn't know by name. It's funny. I play with John, and my daughters actually play on the basketball team with with, with JB, and he was a good player. He was a shooter um, coming out of Newcastle. Um, John's a likable guy. He's very likable. Um, he was very coach. nice to me after the NIT when they lost. Their season was over. He pulled over and he had like he. Just talk us. It was Alfred's press conference. There's four of us just like circled around him. He just talked to us. John's really good because I think he he's he doesn't get too riled up when when things don't go bad when when things go bad and when things are going well. He's kind of just even all the time. And uh, again, I always go back to like he was a player, mm-hmm. and so I think he learned that as a player. But I also say too, when you have kids, your own kids, I think you learn stuff from them as well too on how to be patient with other people's kids, like the basketball team. And, uh, you know, JB, I think he's done a great job at NKU. Obviously, they won a regular season um, horizon. Yep. And then a tournament horizon. They played against Kentucky and Louisville in back-to-back years. They got UC this year. And they're playing UC this year. So what I'm saying is that the program has gone to a whole nother level. It isn't, you know, a secretary and then Coach Shields' little office, which is tiny when we were there. Um, but a lot of fun, a lot of great memories when I was in KU, a lot of great stories in that. And so we played in a little gym, you know, we didn't play in arena and I obviously, you know, actually I, I like playing in the gym because the gym gave it more, more of a feel. You know, obviously if we were division two playing in a big arena, it wouldn't have made sense. But now making that transition and having success that NKU's had with Jai, with John Brandon, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun to, to, uh, to follow them. They have a lot of really good recruits coming in, and I'm excited about that because they are losing a lot of guys, not just to graduation, but transfer. Yep. Uh, I've seen, you know, Carson Williams is one that stands out. I think he's going to Western. Yep, going to Western, yeah. Um, gosh, what was it? Tate transferred. LeVon graduated. Um, you know, so they had a lot of guys that left, so I think it's going to take, I think they're going to be really good this year, but I think it's going to take them probably about a couple weeks to get together. It does. I think it takes time just to, to get everything because you can work on things in the preseason and go everything because they get workouts so they can get four guys every hour for so many hours or whatever. So they work in small groups. But And you can work with your teammates, but when the lights are on, the popcorn, and you got another team, 
referees are out there, so it's a lot different. I think it does take some time. But I think, you know, John, like I said, he's just like Chris. He's a smart guy. He played the game, and I think he'll figure it out. Will it be game three again, game 13? You know, I don't know. But I think John has experienced success early, you know, in, in his head coaching experiences. And, again, you know, coming from Alabama and being there, I think he really, you know, that was a great experience for him that led into NKU. Yeah, there's uh, they haven't listed the teams yet, but you hear they're doing a two-day tournament there this year? I did see that. Did you know the teams yet? I don't know the teams. I don't either. Don got an email, and I, I found out from Don, um, but I didn't get the email, so I don't know if I got kicked off the media list or not. But So it's a two-day tournament during Christmas, right? Yeah, Okay. at, at BB&T. So it's just like a, a, it's a Christmas tournament. So like how people go to tournaments, mm-hmm. they're actually going to host one. Now, when I went... When I was in KU playing, we had the uh, John L. Griffin um, tournament. And so they sponsored it. And so we played during Christmas, and Thomas Moore would be in it. Um, some other local teams, like maybe Oak- Oakland City, maybe, or IU Southwest or Southeast, or Spalding. Smaller schools were in it back then. But we had that. So it's good that they're doing that because I think it'll bring some excitement during Christmas. You know, because you don't want to travel. You know, it's cold and, and that. And so... You know, I think it's a good thing to bring people to that arena and showcase the arena off because, I mean, there's a lot of good things there um, happening at NKU. So, this is the senior year of Drew McDonald. He's been the face of that program since he's been there. Do you think he's going to go down as the most decorated player to ever play at NKU? Well, in Division One era, probably, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when you start comparing errors, it's hard. You know, you start comparing... LeBron to Jordan to Dr. J to Oscar Robinson. You start comparing all these different eras that I think it's hard. But I think when you start comparing like Division One basketball at NKU, definitely Drew because he's a four-year guy. Mm-hmm. He'll be playing overseas somewhere. He's going to be making some money in the next few years overseas. I don't know where. Yeah, he um, got to do overseas camp this year. Yeah. And so it ain't going to be an NBA. I mean, I love Drew. I think he's a great player. I just don't think he's a guy that's going to be able to, you know, if I had to compare him to somebody, I mean – Mine was Josh Harrelson that used to play at Kentucky. Do you remember him? Yeah, I do. I yeah. Do. Mine's probably a bad comparison because he's not as good as him. I don't even want to say it, but I will. It be like a Kevin Love kind of guy. You know, a guy that can step out and shoot but also play inside. Get some I'm boards. not saying he's as good as him. I'm just saying that's somebody he would kind of remind me of. Um, Drew's a great guy, good with kids. Um, when we go to games, you know, if there's they have like the night where they sign autographs and take pictures and all that. Drew's always the last guy there. Carson Williams was another guy that was always there to the very, very end. Yeah. So, and, and, and Carson actually, um, I'm sorry, Drew actually helped me with my, my dad, um, father-child camp that I've done the last um, few years. He, he helped the last two years. He was a guy signing autographs even there. Um, so he takes a lot of time in Northern Kentucky because he is a Northern Kentucky guy. But I think to answer your question, yes, he'll go down as, as one of the most, especially in this Division uh, Division One um, time frame. We're definitely going to finish talking about your dad's camp. That's going to be the last thing we talk about. But I do want to get your touch on this. So, local kid, Darius Baisley, mm-hmm. really well-known, very good player, um, was supposed to go to Syracuse and out of high school. Decides to skip going to Syracuse and signs up for the G League. So, that's a bit of a big point of topic. The NBA looking to bring him back one and done. Um, the NCAA with all the problems they have. You're starting to see kids try to look at other ways. Brandon Jennings, obviously, is well known for going and playing in Greece for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this JBL now that Lavar Ball starting, and I, I've made a rule that I'll never say his name, but I did there. Um, so there, that's happening, and now we're seeing the G League being open to this. 
you know, maybe for us it's a little different because this is a local kid. He's a Cincinnati area kid. It's was a five star recruit that was mm-hmm. very talented. He's going to go play pro ball for him to skip out of the college scholarship. But do you think that that could be something that could really play into the future of the game? I mean, especially as a high school coach. You, you know, I think I think what they'll eventually do is get rid of the the role. You know, I think they'll let guys just jump right to the NBA. You know, I know that's how it used to be. You know, Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I think twenty twenty one is their target. Yeah, and I think that's going to happen because what it shows me is guys aren't aren't really serious uh, about school, about college. I mean, if he was going to go to Syracuse, how long was he going to stay there? One year at most. Yeah, so I mean, he was going to be taking what classes? We don't know. Probably not classes where he was going to have to go. And, and and you know, I I saw him play when he was a freshman. We scrimmaged Finneytown when I was at North College my first year, and he was a really good player at the time. And and you know, with those guys, they get surrounded with people. Yeah. And I don't know who those people are, but they get surrounded. It could be an AAU coach. It could be a, a YMCA coach. It could be a, someone in the neighborhood. It could be their high school coach. And what happens is these guys give them advice, and sometimes the advice that they give them isn't very good advice. And to be honest with you, though, what he did, I'm not a big fan of. But if he's not going to be a guy that's going to go to college for a few years and try to get his degree, then he might as well go a different route and, and do that. But I think they're eventually going to get rid of that rule because I think it's causing a lot of problems, with, with especially like a U.K. or a Duke where guys go for one year. And then, I mean, I know Grayson Allen stayed for, for four. four years. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of those guys. Very are, rare. Yeah, very rare. Donovan Mitchell, I think, was three at Louisville. And then the guy from Villanova. Um, Brunson and McHale. Yeah, they stay for, for four. So it does happen. But I think those kinds of guys, they're and there's nothing wrong. Look, if, if a guy's not, college isn't for everyone. You know, if it wasn't for basketball, I don't know if I would have went to college. And we were talking about that earlier. Like, it's not for everyone. And so for him, maybe he manned up and said, hey, look, this ain't college ain't for me. Why am I going to go there for one year and waste their time and waste all this stuff when – I'm eventually going to be playing the NBA. At least that's what he thinks. And if he thinks that, then maybe he made a mature decision, you know, at a, as a, at a young age. And so maybe some of the advice he got was good. Again, I'm not a guy that, that really wants guys to 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 only you know go straight to the G League, but you know maybe it's going to help him. Yeah. What would you say if you had a player of yours that said, "Coach, I'm going to go try to play in the G League and I'm going to skip college"? You know what? I would give him all of his options. And I learned this from Chris. You know, Chris gave this to a lot of his players that, that went on. If it was Trayvon or if it was JP, um, Edmund, Sumner. All that was a guys. tough one. Yeah, you know, and like he told those guys. I remember him telling me. I didn't hear the conversation, but I remember talking to him about it and, and paraphrasing some of the things that he said. Like, hey, look, here are your options. Here are some of the things that you, you can do. You need to get with your family and make this decision. Don't do it, you know, based off what I'm saying. But here's what I'm going to tell you is out there. And I think Chris and, and college coaches and that have a really good understanding of, of some of the surroundings and some of the bad people out there. Um, you know, some of the shoe shoe companies are out there. Uh, a lot of the AU company or companies, the programs are out there trying to get people on their on their on their team and their program. So, but you know what? I think he made a good decision because if he's not going to be into school, I think he made a good decision to, to do what he did. Yeah, I agree. So, last thing before we get out of here, um, you've run uh, for the for consecutive years. Now you've been running the Pete Miner Camp in honor of your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a father son basketball camp. Well, father child basketball camp. You right? call it child because we. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Because my sister, you know, like if I just said it was all boys, you know, that wouldn't be right. And so girls, you know, obviously, um, you know, are, they participate as well. So we made it boys and girls. 
Yeah, so been successful. It's a very popular thing. I've advertised the hell of it at times because mm-hmm. you're my boy. Mm-hmm. So, um, how was it this year? How was it? It was great. You know, Griffin Elite, it's a big facility. It's great. It's a good facility. I know you said you're you're making your way over there. You're eventually going to get there. Hopefully. They have three full courts, so they have six baskets, but then they pull out some other ones. They have all the Spalding NBA baskets. Everything's first class over there. The basketballs, the, the – they have everything. And so what we've done over the last few years, it's it's, it's moved from NKU. We were at Dixie Heights one year. We were at Friars over in Cincinnati for three years. And now this is the first year. This is our sixth year, and we did it at uh, Griffin Elite. Um, we do our AU program out of Griffin Elite, and so I've built that relationship up with them. Um, but it makes me feel good to be able to do it because it honors my dad. It makes me feel good to do all the work. Um, I like to see the kids smiling and hanging out with uh, with their dad because that's what I did with my dad. My dad did that with my sister and I. He It was crazy because you know, a lot of people don't know this. He worked between 60 and 70 hours a week. He was a workaholic, but he always found time to hang out with us. And at the time, you don't really realize that kind of stuff because you're you're a child. But once you, you know, you're married and, and you have kids or you, you're older, you realize that. So there's nothing better than seeing a dad and their, and their son or daughter getting a picture. They get a basketball and they leave. We give them T-shirts, um, the photo, like I said. They get Skyline Chili, which is donated from... Uh, the Zhang family. Really good thing to eat post-workout. Yes, it's great. You know, Skyline's good. You know, it's funny because when my dad's birthday is in April, I always, well, not always, but the last seven or eight years since he's he's um, passed, I go to, to Frisch's and I always get a big boy and french fries. I get my fries extra crispy because I love extra crispy. And I get my, now I can't wait for a Diet Coke because they're changing over to Diet Coke. That's great. Bell time. I love it. I'm so I'm so happy. So I'm sitting there and I took like a little selfie of me eating it and I added Frisch's because I was just like, I'll just try it. They added me back and I told them about the camp so they donated some money this year. So hopefully I build a relationship up with Frisch's and maybe next year instead of Skyline, we can get some Frisch's big boys at camp. That'd be so, pretty awesome. You know, Frisch's, Skyline, Cincinnati, basketball, dads and kids all coming together for a great cause. And, and the cause that we do is, and, and I know you know this, is Doug Pelfrey um, for Kicks for Kids. You know, he's still involved with kids in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati trying to get them to go to camps. The, the kids that are less fortunate they don't get that opportunity. They go to some of the U.K. camps and, and stuff like that. Yeah, because I know, too, you've gotten a lot of, you had Chris, obviously, when you were coaching there, when he was coaching here. You had Mick Cronin, coach mm-hmm. of Cincinnati. You had John Brandon. You've had a couple of these kids, these, co- these players come in and help out. So that's a really cool thing, man. I think uh, I think a lot of people in the area really appreciate that. It's, it is a lot of fun. They have Byron Larkin this year. Yeah. I uh, I crossed him when I worked Xavier. So I worked Xavier Providence the night they won the Big East regular season okay. title. And I remember I walked into the press room and Byron walked right by me. Uh, Pete Gillen was in there. Oh, yeah, because he covered the game. Yeah, and then Tim Brando walked right by me like I've been watching Tim Brando do commentary for years so that was like my oh shit I'm in this room with with yeah yeah well I mean Byron Byron is good he told some really really good stories he's got a great story you know obviously growing up with his with his brothers um and then he's got a nephew Stephen Larkin that played with the Celtics got hurt this year mm-hmm. um but Ken Shields was also a speaker one year Dave Beasel also spoke one year and so each year we're trying to – I'd love to get Brad Underwood to come down one time. Once I keep building that relationship with him, I, I would hope that, that I can get guys like him or get like um, – I know you probably don't want to have uh, – from, from Dayton. I know from Indiana now. 
Um, Archie. Archie. I don't have so, any problems with Archie. So, I, mean, I, I just want to get guys that right. come that's in this area. Um, I'm trying to get Chris to come back. You know, being in Louisville now, I think that'll generate some some people that want to come and that. And, you know, Chris knew my dad really well, too, and, and knew the relationship that I had with my dad. So, you know, just getting those guys to come and giving some of the experiences that they had, like Byron had, like Chris Mack had, it's just really, really good. And I think the dads appreciate it because I think they can really connect with, with a Chris Mack or a Travis Steele and, and, and a Byron Larkin. Yeah, I, that, absolutely. Well, man, this is about an hour. This is More fun. Than 48 minutes, 48 plus 12. So. Yeah, we, we, we had a couple overtimes. It's all right. Yeah, this is fun. I know we've only done this twice now, but we need to do it more often. We need to do it more, and you know, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I love talking basketball, sports, and and uh, my wife gets tired of hearing it, so she's super excited <laughs> that I'm here for 48 plus 12 and, and hanging out and talking sports with you. Yeah, so as always, before we get out of here, I know you're not a huge social media guy, but where can the world find Shannon Miner? And one. It's it's on Twitter. I don't do Snapchat. My son, I think, does it on mine because I signed up a long time ago. But I'm called a sack king, and then you know I'm on Facebook. But you know I'm I'm really boring. You know I <laughs> I, I drop the kids off at, at tennis camp in the morning or at kickball camp or um, whatever. You know I'm always cough camp. You know I'm always dropping the kids off and that. So I, I live a boring life. But sometimes I do fun things. So I try to to tweet some things out every once in a while. If I'm hanging out with a guy like you or a guy like Chris Mack, you know, I'll tweet some things out about that. I would just mention the same sentence as Chris Mack. That's you guys I mean, heard I, that. And I did that for that reason, so that you know that you're right there with him. For when we go down to a game, we can take your uh, your press row credentials <laughs> there with us yeah. from when you went to the NKU game. And uh, hopefully that will get us in because I don't know if Chris will let me in. Hopefully he'll let me come to a couple games and I'll take you. Sounds good to me. Well, Shannon, always a blast, my man. We'll do this again soon. Thank you. All right, guys, that's been 48 Minutes. Like I said, be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. Tune in, Alexa, and hopefully more to come. We appreciate the subscriptions. We appreciate those five-star reviews. And also check out 48MinutesNetwork.com. Got a couple articles up this week from our guy Kyle Brandon where you can check out some scouting reports on Summer League and also why we should pay attention to the worst teams in the NBA this year. So everyone, check out the site and have a good weekend.